Hello and welcome to the Investing on the Go podcast. I'm Stacey West from Fun Caliber, and today I'm joined with James Mayen, manager of Church House 10X Absolute Return Strategies Funds. James, thank you for joining us today. Hello, Stacey. So we've spoken on a number of occasions over the past few years, and one of the areas where you've been more heavily invested has been in floating rate notes. Can you just briefly explain what they are and why you like them and maybe even how they fared in the recent market sell-off? Certainly. Uh, Floating rate rate notes are another version of a fixed interest instrument, typically issued by banks and building societies. Um, The difference is simply that the rate they pay floats with current market rates. They used to be linked to LIBOR. Now they're principally linked to the Sonia rate. Uh, we liked them because the types, the order bonds that we're looking at are all AAA, um, so very much top of the debt pile. And we've been getting some surprisingly good rates off them. We were achieving rates of about 1.5, 1.6% um, through the last six months of last year. Um, what attracts us to them is that the, the floating element of the coupon means that in the event of an increase in rates, their capital values remain the same. So in essence, they are they have their own built-in hedge. Um, so yes, we like them very much. They've been a very useful cash alternative for us. Uh, they fared as they should have done in the recent crisis. They remain steady. Um, so we were happy. Um, rates now are coming down and we are beginning to reduce that exposure. And one of the reasons you had such a large weighting to this area was because there were so few opportunities anywhere else. Everything looked really expensive. You were being cautious. But in March, bonds fell too. And for the first time in a long time, they also looked attractive. Um, did you take advantage of this to increase your weightings there? Yes, we did. I, I should probably take you through the sequence of events because obviously there's been lots going on. Um, so, yes, we were uh, cautiously placed first couple of months of the year, as you suggest. And I have to say we're getting a certain amount of criticism for it. But as always with 10X, we we respond to the price. And as you suggest, we thought assets were overpriced and in particular credit spreads were right into the levels last seen in 2007, 2008, and that was a warning bell for us. So the sequence of events for us was once the pandemic had got out, or once the virus had got out and the pandemic was announced, the first thing we did was raise our pure cash levels. So we went even more cautious. That's simply because although we were cautiously placed, and weren't worried about it from the market perspective, we wanted to have actual cash on hand because the first thing to worry about in these events is a liquidity crisis. So we wanted to make sure that wasn't going to happen to us. So in fact, at that stage, we sold some of our AAA floating rate paper without any problem, um, and we raised our cash levels. As we moved into March, the first thing that really happened was that the equity markets fell apart and it was pretty indiscriminate. And by mid-March, there really were, everything was being thrown out and there was some very indiscriminate selling. So that's fertile territory for tax. So we started buying 
equities, and we bought a lot of equities through through March. By the end of March, markets were beginning to turn, and the credit markets were coming back to life in the wake of support, particularly from the Federal Reserve, obviously from the other central banks. And once that was clear, of course, that underpinned the equity markets anyway, because companies could borrow money, that it also meant it was time for us to turn our attention to the credit markets. So largely through April, what we were doing was increasing our credit exposure. And that's been the biggest change. So our floating rate note exposure, having been jolly nearly 50% of the fund in January, is down to, maybe down by the end of today, we're probably down to about 37% and still falling. Um, and the bulk of that has gone across into credit, um, as in fixed interest investments, uh, but also quite a lot of equity early on. But credit was really where we wanted to build the book over the recent weeks. Sorry, long-winded answer. But... Um, and one of those bonds I believe you bought was Diageo, which is the maker of Johnny Walker whiskey and a few other spirits. Um, your company has been invested in their equity for quite a while, so you know them well as a business. Um, is it unusual to invest in both the equity and the bond of the same company, or is this simply just a sign of the times? Okay, well, um, a few points from that. Um, Diageo was one of the first companies out of the blocks when the credit market started to open up. Um, the first thing they did was issue a sterling credit, um, which was a relatively small issue. It was three hundred million pounds, but because it was one of the first ones post post the big sell off, um, that was it was probably wise. Um, and that was one of the first ones that we bought, and we, we bought lots of that one at issue. Um, and that certainly helped the market too, simply the market seeing that a good quality company like Diageo could raise money, um, helped lots of other issues to the market. Incidentally, Diageo has gone on to raise another $2.5 billion, I think it was, in the US markets at much cheaper rates. Uh, again, but it was just interesting that that first sterling one was was the one that, that, that got away. Um, bought that, very pleased to have bought that, and that's that's going well. Um, yes, we hold Diageo equity. In fact, we also own Diageo equity in, in Tenax. It was one of the stocks we bought during March because um, we like those sort of companies, good quality, long-term companies. We like to value on a 15-year view, not a two or three-month panic view. Um, and to answer another question, we always look through the capital structures of companies. We're very happy to be at whatever end of the capital structure looks interesting. Um, but we do apply credit limits by company. So because we own the equity and we own the debt, we own about about one point, about one and a quarter percent of the portfolio will be exposed to Diageo in various forms. But we're very happy with that um, as a concept, as long as one does doesn't forget to add the, add them up to check that credit exposure. And 
Has there been any other kind of asset allocations of individual holdings that you've made? I know you used to have an airport bond, but obviously airports are one of the big casualties of the pandemic. So have you maybe sold this and put the money elsewhere and maybe areas that you think will benefit from the pandemic? Um, quite the opposite, I'm afraid. Um, we The bond we have is from Heathrow, um, and that is an index-linked bond. Um, it was a very small holding, and for obvious reasons, it was one of the ones that panicked, um, and we added very significantly to it. So it's now about a 1% holding in that bond. Um, the Heathrow um, themselves will tell you that essentially, if they have no passengers for a year, they'll still be fine. Now, Gatwick could not say the same. Uh, we would not want to be sitting in Gatwick bonds. Heathrow bonds, I think, are a different game. And as ever, it's a question of knowing the actual credit. But yes, in this case, we've certainly increased that bond. I'm very happy to have done so. So are you looking into any areas that you think will benefit? So obviously the airports will have some type of bounce. And if Heathrow is able to wait a year, then it's likely people will start traveling and using the airport before then. I certainly hope so, at least. Um, can't be stuck in my house forever. But is there any other areas where you think will actually possibly benefit from this pandemic and you're looking to add into the portfolio or top up, so to speak? Um, well, uh, essentially, I mean, yes, of course, there's going to be quite a big change following this. And um, the obvious area where that's been visible has been in the US markets, because you've got this tremendous contrast between Amazon, Netflix, and those stocks against the other more cyclical areas. In March, the whole of the US market collapsed. In April, Amazon, Netflix, et al. absolutely shot up where the cyclical areas stayed, stayed where they were. It may be that move's gone too far now, and we're seeing some signs of rotation back into the more cyclical stocks. We tend away from them simply because they're not really our style. We prefer companies that we feel we have confidence are going to be around in five years' time, whatever happens. Um, but yeah, um, we, res we respond to price. March gave us opportunities. April gave us opportunities in credit. Um, it's been quieter for us this last couple of weeks, but we are still seeing issues. Though there was an issue from Compass Group yesterday, which we supported. Um, there are yeah, there are quite a lot of smaller things to do, but not those not those big. Not those big fangs that everyone keeps seeing on their TVs and credit card bills. Um, <laughs> but then maybe just lastly, actually, um, you also own a lot of bank assets in your top 10. Um, what do you like about this sector so much? <laughs> right, yes. Um, I'm not sure we like the sector <laughs> so much as those particular assets and where they are in the corporate structure of those banks. So what you'll be seeing if you're looking at our top 10 is you'll be seeing floating rate note holdings, um, which are all AAA holdings at the top of the corporate pile, if you like. And each of those has its own uh, asset pool backing it, besides being top of the corporate debt structure. Um, as such, we have no great love at the bank sector, 
But in that area, they are natural issues of that paper and we're very happy to acquire it. That's great. James, thank you so much. It's always such a pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. And to find out more about Church House 10x Absolute Return Strategies Fund, please visit fundcaliber.com. And to stay up to date with new insights each week, please remember to subscribe to the Investing on the Go podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or fundcaliber.com. Please note that these are unprecedented times and markets can react very quickly to news. The views expressed are at the time of recording and could change. And remember, we've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or to sell. The fund may or may not still hold these stocks at your time of listening.